And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, the First Order arrives at the Colossus for a mysterious reason, and Kaz and BB-8 are determined to sneak into the High Tower to find out what they want. There will be... There's a lot of adult men in a teenage girl's bedroom, plot communications, and everyone bets on Kaz dying. We're talking about the High Tower this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. You know what today is? I have no idea. Well, other than it being Tuesday, um, it is. We are recording this on January 26th, and exactly one year ago, Star Wars Resistance ended. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're now a full year out of Resistance, and it makes me sad because I love this show so much. This is actually, like, one of my all-time favorite episodes of the season, or the show. I love this episode so much. It was yeah, a go, step up, I thought. This this was actually, this was the episode that made me, like, really go, okay, I'm starting to see what they're doing here. Um, because the the three before this, I was like kind of on the fence, but this was the episode. I'm like, there's a lot of like things here, like politically and socially, and like coded for racism. Like there's there's a lot going on, and it's the more I watch this episode, the more I catch things. And now in the context of like knowing how the show ends, it's easier to see a lot of the setup too. Like I can see a lot of Tan story being set up in this episode even more. Um, because my God, do they treat do, when I say they, I mean Kaz and Hype. My God, do they treat Tam like hot garbage in this one? And she has a right to be pissed and eventually go to the first order. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a lot. I, I like this episode a lot. Having a good week? Yeah, I still don't argue that 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 personal resentment isn't a uh, excuse for. Uh... Oh, fascism, I know. Fascism. It's, it is the reason a lot of people do it, but <laughs> it's a poor <Yeah>. reason. <laughs> I guess I should clarify that Tam, uh, that Kaz and Hype are not the reason. It's um, th- There's a lot that goes into right. it. Right, yeah, yeah. I think lack of education um, goes into this as well. Like, I would really like to know, and, and I'm kind of hinting at, like, a later episode in season one where... Yeager's like, y'all don't know what it's like. And and Tam's like, yeah, they don't teach us about the Empire in school. <laughs> I'm like, what well, is the education system you notice, in this You world? notice the characters who are older in this are the ones who are like, yeah, the First Order, not a big fan. You know, like the, the bartender, you know, she's just like, First Order. Because people are old enough to remember the Empire, you know, yeah. and Stormtroopers. So, But the younger generation are just like... They're just what? They're more guys. Rights, yeah, they're just another set of guys that in political world, which we don't pay attention to. We're in gas station world. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you ready to get into it? Yep. All right. 
the height oh i should just go ahead and tell everybody um in case i sound weird as i chris has been very nice saying that i i don't sound weird but i feel like i'm weird you don't Um, sound weird but now you're calling attention to (laughs) it makes me feel better chris okay um okay I, I had oral surgery on Thursday, so if I sound a little bit weird or a little bit slurry, I'm, I'm still healing up, so be nice to me on this one. So I'm healing. I'll be there soon, and it makes Hope feel better to know that she, if she sounds like fish, at least you know why. She, ow. <laughs> okay, don't do that. That hurts. All right. <clears throat> the High Tower is the fifth episode of Star Wars Resistance. It aired on October 28, 2018, and it was written by Stephanie Folsom and directed by Stuart Lee. Some extra information for you. Uh, uh, excuse me. Hype Faison is voiced by Donald Faison. Yes, the character is named after him. His other works include Robot Chicken, Ray Donovan, but he's best known as Dr. Turk in Scrubs. Captain Emmanuel Doza is voiced by Jason Hightower. Ah, this is called the Hightower, and his name is Hightower, and this is his first appearance in the Hightower. I wonder if that was on purpose. Anyway, his other works include, <laughs> thanks for indulging me, um, his other works include Sophia the First, Victor and Valentino, and clash rama Major Von Reg's helmet design is based on the First Order TIE Fighter pilot's helmets, but with a nod to both clone troopers, pilot's helmets, and their Imperial Royal Guards. His character was originally described as being the Red Baron of the First Order, hence his final color choice, which was inspired by the famed Red Baron of World War I. His armor is unique. His armor's unique design and colors reinforce this idea that his ability as his abilities as a pilot has earned him a high rank than any seen before. And I think this was the first time, because it's prior to trust, that we saw um, a red Tie Fighter pilot or any First Order member in red, um, if I remember correctly. And finally, there are a ton of Easter eggs in Tora's bedroom, and we don't even get to see them all in this episode. So as we go forward with episodes, keep an eye out for them. And they are are hinting to not only past animated shows, but the entire but to but the movies as well. She has a poster of Sabine Wren's Firebird logo, figures of a variety of ships and troopers, and stuffed animals of Tuka dolls, Ewoks, pupper pigs, and more. In hindsight, Sabine's Firebird logo, which would eventually become the Rebel Alliance symbol, could have been an early indicator for Tora's mother, Venisa, who who fought during the Rebellion. You know who didn't fight during the Rebellion because he was hiding out on Dagobah? Mmm, moist in Dagobah. You you left everybody, Yoda. Mmm, Rebellion's not moist. Mmm. (laughs) <laughs> Too much sawdust and not relaxing, no. Say moist again. Moist. 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 You know people hate that word and they get grossed out by it. I don't get it. Yoda wouldn't know anything about people not liking the word. Oh. Moist. You know, that's a much better Yoda Yoda question than what I wrote. Yoda. Yes? What do you, why do you think people don't like the word moist? Mm, No taste at all. Mm. 
And Yoda doesn't know why moist is good. Mmm. That moist birthday cake. Mmm. Yum, yum, yum. Mmm. Nice moist skin. Mmm. Moist little Yoda lips. Gotta, gotta wet those suckers down with your tongues. Moist little kitty tongues as they lick your yeah. hands. Yes, Yoda has had no complaints. About moist kitties? About moist, period. <laughs> My brain went wrong way. Oh, oh, no, no. Yoda hasn't had moist period in many, many, many years. Yoda had more of a moist era. Hmm, yes, the moist era. Best era of Yoda's life. Moistest era of Yoda's life. Hmm, much moistness. Was that, the, was that the High Republic and it was high because you were so moist? It was the Moist Republic many people don't remember. You want to hear my really stupid joke that I really like saying a lot? I like to call the High Republic the 420 Republic because I'm five years old. Yoda does not get it. <laughs> All right, Yoda, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing and then I'll let you go. Just, can you say moist a bunch of times? Moist. 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 Mmm. <laughs> moist. <laughs> Thank you, Yoda. Ah! I dropped my phone. <laughs> that was a much better Yoda It's question. weird that he likes moist, but he doesn't like the spray bottle. How strange. <laughs> I... I imagine Yoda being, oh, what was that character in Doctor Who? And she was like the stretched out skin lady, and she was like, moist me. Yeah. Moist yeah, me. Yeah. No, Yoda's like a frog. He's just got to sit in the swamp and spritz. soak it up. The spritz spritz me. What is that character named? Cassandra? I have no idea. Doctor Who. I think it's I never, Cassandra. Never saw them, them ones. It is Cassandra, or better known as Lady Cassandra. And she's a reoccurring antagonist. Um, she's only skin with a... Uh, but due to a lot of surgery, she is now only skin with a face that's stretched into a picture frame. I've seen I've seen pictures of it, but I've never seen the show. Mm. You've never seen Doctor Who? I've seen Doctor Who, but not that oh, particular... Oh, I was about to say... <laughs> I swear we had you on Who True Freaks at one point. <laughs> I I was I I I, but I'm mostly an old school Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, old... gotcha. Anyway, Act One. I'm ready. We open with glorious swelling music, a beautiful ocean backdrop. The Colossus is gorgeous in the night sky. And then all the lights go out suddenly, and Cass falls on his face. And he falls on top of poor Bucket, who is very, very, very grouchy about it. But granted, Bucket is grouchy about everything. And Niku is like, oh man, it's dark. I can't see my friend who was 10 feet in front of me five seconds ago. I should call him on our fancy comm links that most certainly won't be part of the plot, you know, later. And Cass is like, why, why do I have this comm thing again? 
And Tam is like, oh, just take it. Look how happy it makes Niku. And then they give in because everyone loves Niku, who is, in fact, the best boy. And Kaz even finds out the hard way that if the comlinks are really close together, they make feedback noises. You know, for plot reasons. Suddenly, a handsome voice of a handsome man comes over the intercoms of the station. And wouldn't you know it, it's one of the best fathers in all of Star Wars, Captain Emmanuel Doza. And the entire station is rationing fuel for the next 100 hours or so, so power's going to be down. And since they're unable to work, Kaz, Tamaniku decide to go to Ansi's. They get there, order their drinks, and the power continues to fluctuate. And everyone in the bar is like, oh, come on! I want a drink with the lights on, and only half of us are underage. And no one can get their work done as long as the blackouts are happening. And Kaz is like, is this how normal people live? And Aunt Zia's like, obviously, you've never been to California. And Kaz is like, uh, what's a California? And this is such a dumb joke. Thank you for indulging me. Aunt Z explains that this isn't an accident because all the rich people up in Doza Tower have power and all the lower people don't. But But Aunt Z goes a step further to lay down a big, shiny, glistening, moist red herring for a chunk of the season because she thinks Captain Doza is working for the First Order and Kaz's spy senses are falsely tingling. The power finally comes back on for good as Tora, Tam, and Niku, Niku with his big ass water bottle are really, he's really cute. I love his big water bottle. Oh my God, Niku, are discussing it. And Tam doesn't think that Doza is part of the First Order because there would be nothing for him to gain. Niku doesn't know because, you know, he represents the everyday person on the Colossus and he isn't sure if he's ever met a First Order person. And Kaz leans over to BB-8 and whispers, they need to get into Doza Tower. And Niku is like, you are very obviously and clearly whispering to your droid, but all of us can hear you. Do you need assistance? Lucky for Kaz, the door gets kicked in, and it's Hype stays on, y'all! And Hype is like, don't worry, common folk, I'm here now. And Tam is not happy to see Hype at all. Turns out, Hype used to be a really good friend of hers, and they worked together, and they were teammates, and then he left her behind when he became an ace pilot. And Kaz is like, yeah, 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 great sob story. Can you introduce me to him? No way, I should go and make an impression and completely, completely ignore your feelings on the matter. Okay, bye! And Kaz heads over to Hype while Tam stares in disbelief that Kaz could be so oblivious. Introducing himself, Hype immediately recognizes Kaz from his race in episode 1. He was really impressed with how ballsy Kaz was to challenge challenge Tora, of all people. And Kaz is like, this is Disney animation. None of the men in these shows have balls. And, the fam- and then they fanboy about racers for a few minutes until Hype sees Tam. And his face drops. And there's clearly things left unsaid. And there's pain between them. And Kaz ignores it all with his tunnel vision mission and asks why Hype isn't out there with the other races to help bring enough shipment of fuel. Hype says that there's an understanding with Captain Dozo when it comes to the First Order bringing in fuel that Hype won't participate since, you know, they hate aliens and stuff. And with that, Hype just moseys on out of there. Well, Kaz is all eager to get out, get out into the tower now. 
and he makes an excuse to Tam and Niku that BB-8 is running low on power and needs to be charged. And, and gosh, BB-8, bless him. Especially since he has a super gay dad who has probably coached him on this. God bless you, Poe. BB-8 dramatically acts out his dying low power hard out. And Cash, Kaz ushers out BB out of there and heads out to the marketplace. He spots the other aces bringing in a very normal-looking fuel tanker that looks just like every other fuel tanker in the galaxy. Tam and Niku come out to join him, and Kaz makes up the story about studying the ace pilots to get a leg up on Tam, which she's really all in for because she likes friendly competition. He might suck as a mechanic, but Tam is bonding with him as a person. And they all see the door to the tanker open, and it's not fuel. First Order Red Boy Major Pilot... <laughs> Major Pilot <laughs> Major Pilot Von Rick. Pilot is now his first name <laughs> and his gaggle of stormtroopers arrive at the platform <laughs> Hi, I'm Pilot He is a Von major Rick. pilot though What? He is like a major pilot though He is a major pilot but I just like him being like Hi, my first name is Pilot My parents were very original I wasn't allowed to become a historian They said I could only be a pilot <laughs> I was named by Space Michael Jackson what? Oh. Uh, it just seems like a, a name space Michael Jackson would give his kid instead of blanket. What? Isn't, isn't like Jay Z and Beyonce's kid named like Blue Valentine or something? What is there? I don't know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Jay Z child name. It's, it's Blue. Blue Ivy. That's what it is. Blue Ivy. Well, you know, I mean, back in the 60s and 70s, you had Dweezil Zappa and Zoe Bowie, so. Yeah. What did you think of that one, Chris? I liked it. Um, you know, I just had a thought. This, this plot-wise, a, a lot of this, this ep- well, this episode or this, the, the, this show, and it has a lot in common with like old 50s teenage drag strip movies. Where all I, the teenagers, I need definitely more explanation because I don't know what you mean. Like old old fifties cheapo movies because you know they would they would be a bunch of teens that that hang around the drag strip you know and hang around like the soda shop at the drag strip and they have their drama and stuff and and the drama is yeah, often dra- played I, I, I out in like a race drag, at the like, end of like, it you, you know, know like drag queens. <laughs> no 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 confused. no actual drag car drag racing yeah no gotcha, gotcha. and this reminds me of Victoria Queen of the Desert with uh with Terrence Stamp and all the drag queens in the Australian outback. No That's it's a great a, movie by the way. I've never seen it I've never seen it but I have. <gasps> oh my god I've seen the movie and you haven't. Yeah. This is a ticker tape day ticker tape day parade chris have you have you ever seen hedwig and the angry inch okay i saw it a very long time ago okay i was, gonna I was say, that's a, a be- that's a better drag movie if yeah but, yeah i need but to i, I was I at a to... party so i wasn't able to like fully get everything and i need to watch it again as yeah an adult. no that's that's one to watch uh yeah just in the... So technically, I have seen it, but I don't uh, remember. Yeah, this is nothing like Victoria Queen of the Desert or Hedwig and the Angry Inch, but it, it is it is like old, old like you know you know drag strip romance, you know or it's not even romance, although there would be romance in it. But it's you know it's it's teenagers and young adults, and they're all you know fixing up their cars and 
you know, Kaz would have been some James Dean looking kid who worked at the garage, you know, with old man, blah, 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 who used to be a really great racer. And uh, instead of the, the first order coming in, it would be, you know, local hoods, you know, either like ga- there would be gangsters running, you know, a racket there. And then they would have teenagers that were their heavies that would also be racing, you know, that sort of thing. But it, it has a very similar feel to that. I wonder what George Lucas felt about that because he, you know, George Lucas was into car racing and stuff and he might, that the concept of this show might've been actually like more appealing to George Lucas than people might think, you know, it might be more resonate with his era of what he grew up watching in the movies. Chris, Kaz is Lightning McQueen from Cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the same, and Cars was sort sort of that same thing, yeah. Um, (laughs) Another thing, like, remember they had two shows in a row with Kaz starting up an engine? This is two episodes in a row with Kaz causing feedback on an item that becomes a plot point. Mm -hmm. It's just weird, but just, I don't know if it means anything, but it happened. Uh, Let's see, what else do I like? My God, Kaz is Lightning McQueen. I like the old the old prospector guy at the bar. His name it's, is Al. He's a total old prospector character. I love the shot of them them uh I, I love that it wasn't an action it didn't turn into like a uh it wasn't they weren't attacked by pirates or anything when they when they escorted the, the first order ship in. It just looked it, I loved it because it was just procedural. But it looked beautiful the way they were flying through the clouds and then coming out of the clouds to the station mm-hmm. was just really neat. It was just like that. that and that, uh, it was nice. It was just day to day activity, you know, just just how the day to day activity plays will... out, which is very interesting, actually. You know, it doesn't need to be a, a battle. It's just neat to see day-to-day life in in star wars well that's the whole purpose of the show they yeah. they made it to purposely be a slice of life show to show what yeah. happens when like fascism creeps in on day-to-day it's, life yeah but i like that i like that they just show things like they didn't have to show them picking there was nothing adding to the plot from them from them you know they could have they could have picked it right up with with kaz as it pulled into the dock and uh cut that scene totally out and it would have uh not affected the it wouldn't it did, that scene didn't really you know um reveal anything character wise about anybody to anything it was just neat it was just neat to watch but it was it, it was different usually in star wars something's happen something ex, you know dramatic is happening and something sort of the the drama in it was uh, the first order are showing up and Kaz is getting a look at him, but you know yeah there wasn't like the ship was in trouble and they they barely made it in or anything it was just day to day life, and I like the um I don't know if he was a nugnot but he sort of talked like a nugnot but the I call him the exposition nugnot the guy's like there's a curfew, you know uh, uh, here's yeah, some important that, information as I walk by, yeah, but uh, that's all I got for for Act One. I would fight with anybody and like argue that resistance is hands down the prettiest of the animated show so far. Like every shot is just gorgeous and like just painted and beautiful. It's just... it's pretty in a different way than, than the other movie, than the other shows. And, and, you know, I'm having, I'm, I'm really frustrated that I, that they did not 
seem to release any soundtrack music to this show because I got to tell you, I've only scored one episode where with with music where I have to use it from the from the other Star Wars shows like Rebels and Clone Wars and stuff. But it's hard to find music that this show had the music has a lighter touch to it, you know. Clone mm-hmm. Wars was filled with war and battle and, and Jedi and Sith and stuff. So it has lots of just like dark tones to it. Even even Rebels does or or not or very um, thoughtful, melancholic beats to it. And this one doesn't. <laughs> this show, ha- the, the music is often just very upbeat or or light and airy. And uh, yeah, it's hard to, to match it tonally. So get on that Disney. I want to hear the music to this. The music to this is really good. It should. It really should, is. There should I'm be music right. av- available for this. It's it's yeah. This guy's work. It's it's Star Warsy and it's its own thing. It's different than Kevin Kiner's m- music. Yeah, I mean it's Michael uh, Tavera. I'm actually right now on his SoundCloud and seeing if it's. I don't. Okay, I don't see. He it. really. So. He he. Uh, by by. By um, by the kind of show it is, and without like any characters, it um that that have huge amounts of background story, and it, it doesn't have a lot of the flourishes. John Williams flourishes that that Clone Wars and Rebels had, especially <gasps> Rebels. Aww. So it's 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 more its own thing so far than any of the other soundtracks up until the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian soundtrack is even more diverse and and going off in different directions than than this one but yeah you can, you can find mandalorian music out there yeah because they released it every week alongside the episodes yeah because everybody because everybody was going googly gaga for it but like i hope eventually to to like they put out the soundtrack music to this because it's really good yeah. um so my notes for act one is Here's my insert, uh, insert my obligatory, I love Aunt Z and her sass note here. I think I've said it every week so far, but I just, I adore Aunt Z. Um, I was actually looking at her character design, and I really want her space waffle tattoo to be my next Star Wars tattoo. Oh, jeez. <laughs> she has a space waffle tattoo on her arm, and I'm just like, I want it. <laughs> I was looking at it today, and I was like, yeah, I could wear that on my body. <laughs> And it would be also like a little nod to Zeb too, because the first time we saw the space waffles was in Rebels. And you should get you talking... should get a blue space space waffle and write yeah 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 yeah. No, I will not do that, Chris. Come on, <laughs> it's only skin art that's on your body forever. No, I'm not doing the blue waffle virus. Ugh. Yeah Guys, yeah 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 yeah. If you're new, go back to our very early Clone Wars episode talking about the Blue Shadow Virus episode where we made a lot of blue waffle jokes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So my next note is I, I, I like that we're seeing, as I was saying, like we're kind of building Tam's story a little bit more and but it's also, again, like, kind of calling back to, like, Kaz's character flaw. Because I, I do think he gets kind of tunnel vision-y. Tunnel vision-y. 
Um, and a lot of that I think is just coming from inexperience because he's learning on the fly how to be a spy. And that's kind of like the big thing of this episode. Um, when we get to act three, I think it is very symbolic when he has that moment where he's like, okay, I have to jump this ledge. If I don't jump this ledge, I will die, but I could die jumping this ledge. And I think that was a very symbolic moment of him, like kind of like jumping more into the spy world that he's learning how to do. But to get up to that moment, you know, he's not paying attention to his surroundings. So like Tam gives him this like really heartfelt story about, you know, how she feels about hype. And he's just not listening because he's just like, I need to get into that tower because that is my mission as a spy. But it's also really cool because there's a celebrity in the room and I'm rich and I like celebrities. Um, well, it's and- also it's also all about him. He want like he wants like he wants wants to be a, a good spy and catch somebody, you know, break a big break a big spy story and stuff too. So he's yeah, like a lot of it might be just to impress, you know, uh Poe. Oh yeah. I mean, we've talked before about how Kaz kind of sees sees the resistance as almost like a social club that he doesn't really understand the resistance until Hosnian Prime is gone and then he gets it. But kind of up until then, it's almost like it's a fantasy world that he's kind of playing in. He's just like, I'm living a fantasy. Um, but it's just it's just really... I remember watching this episode for the first time, and it actually made me not like Kaz much, but, you know, in hindsight of the show, like, it's part of his character arc. Because he, he uses her in this episode. He's just like, if I can get Tam, Tam is my key to get to hype and get into that tower. And it's it's kind of rough to watch. Um, and it's it's not okay. But I also think it's part of his growing, and it's a it's part of a tiny little stepping stone in Tam's story too, in the long run as well. Well, yeah. At, at the same time, they're both like young, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we so, they're so, so they're so they're self absorbed in different ways. She's just been out in the real world, where he hasn't. Yeah, I mean, Kaz is Kaz is an adult, but he's still a very young adult. I think. Yeah, I think he's an adult, he, but he hasn't dealt with a fraction of what she's dealt with in her life you know yeah i think he's tw- he's at, i think he's 20 in the series if i remember correctly so he's still a very young adult um and the other only other note is i start i like watching them like laying down that kind of groundwork of like speciesism um because you have hype who's just like i'm not dealing with the first order they don't like people like me and you can see it, and I think it also helps having an actor of color behind hype, too, because, you know, Donald Faison could probably, like, talk about racism in Hollywood and, you know, facing stuff like that coming up. So there's a little extra, like, power behind his performance as well. But I like seeing that kind of coded, like, that kind of, like, coded story there as well. But having that moment where hype is just like, yeah, I'm not human. They're not going to deal with me and yeah. I'm not going to deal with them. And I like it. But it also says a lot about Doza's character as well. Doza is just like, you know, OK, fine. I will respect you. You don't have to deal with the First Order. The human characters will deal with the First Order for you. And he he does that to also protect his own pilot. So. On one hand, it says a lot about Captain Doza as a character and who he is, but it's also a lot of like that kind of deeper coded story that they're really setting up in Resistance. That I like that, you know, we, we see like Wookiee slaves and stuff like that, but that's very blunt. But to have such a nuanced story of just being like, I'm the other. And they well, it reminds me of Southern racism as a Northerner. 
when yeah. I would go down south and or you would talk to somebody who is like black from down south or white from down south and when they would talk about racism they'd be like it's different down here but everybody knows where everybody stands you know so there's like you know that they, they, there's people on both sides who just we just don't mess with each other you know yeah. they don't like us and we don't like them and so we just we just go our separate ways you know as someone who lives in georgia yeah i mean you i remember talking with my my sister and my brother-in-law is black and her talking like in this was what like 2018 so a few years ago when i was living with her she was like yeah we sometimes still get snide comments in in walmart in 2018 sure <laughs> you know um i remember my niece at uh, one time just being like i can't play with so-and-so down the street anymore because her mom doesn't her uh her grandma doesn't like my my hair because she was mixed and it's just yeah it's still around i mean it's getting better but that doesn't mean it's perfect and it's we still have a long way to go but i like i like seeing these and I'm going to say this repeatedly, probably for the rest of the, the, our coverage of this. Resistance is the most real of Star Wars to me. Like this is the most tied to our real world, um, and it's it's, it's has not dealing so, with the mythical elements of Star Wars at all. Yeah, at there, all. It's not black and white at all. This not is even not, the, a black not and even white the mythical elements, even as far as like. Like, you know, like there's mythical as in the supernatural elements of the Jedi and Sith, but then there's mythical stuff like the Mandalorians and stuff. This is just down, dirty life and day-to-day life. It's my favorite. It's messy Star Wars. I love messy Star Wars. It's my favorite. But that's all I have for Act 1. Did you have anything else? No, I'm ready for Act 2. All right. I think I got my more interesting notes in Act 2. Act 2? Act 2. Kaz, Tam, and Niku watch the First Order on the dock below, and Kaz says he wants to know why they're there. But Tam says, you know, why does it matter? They're allowed here like everyone else. Which is a phrase that holds so, so, so much weight to it. Kaz turns and realizes that Niku isn't there. So Kaz pulls out the plot com links and calls him. And Niku says he's just going to go ask the First Order why they're there, because he's a very good friend, and good friends help their friends find out why the First Order is there. And Tam and Kaz race down there to the lower levels, where Niku very kindly asks why the First Order is there. And they say move along and go on their way. And honestly, if Kaz wasn't panicking in the background, it would have just been a blip on everyone's day, and they would have all moved on with their lives. And the First Order moseys away, and Kaz, mean old Kaz, yells at Niku. And even worse, he takes his plot com away from Niku. Plot reasons. The nerve. And Niku is sad because he can't call his best friend anymore. Kaz and Tam talk about getting in the Doza Tower. And Tam explains that she used to dream with hype phase on, and they had this plan to go to the tower together. But then he became an ace, and he left Tam behind. And as Hype comes up behind them, Tam is like, Hype is just the worst. He is an asshole who double dips into the ranch dressing, and he doesn't put a new roll of toilet paper on the thingy when it's empty. He's a complete monster. The worst. And I'd say that to his face. And Hype is like, hi, Tam. And Tam turns around and looks at him and goes, you're the worst. 
little gravity falls joke it's fine uh hype had uh, had seen tam earlier in antsies and he wanted to talk to her so he invites both tam and kaz up to the tower and tam is not amused because kaz accepts for both of them <laughs> they get up to the aces lounge and girl it's fancy it's all clean and bright and and pure and they have a butler droid who aren't through toto 360 and that's a deep cut clone wars joke there thank you very thank you i'll be here all week and they got it all where they're clean fancy toilets and they're clean fancy napkins and kaz is like my god i've missed being rich and he just starts stuffing his face with hors d'oeuvres tam even tam is a little bit impressed suddenly Cass spots the First Order down the hallway, and he remembers why he's there. Not for the pigs in the blanket, but for those guys. And Hype starts talking to Tam about, you know, how much her ship sucks, and how she'll never be a racer without money. And you know what? He's a jerk. Hype is a jerk to Kaz, or to Tam in this, in this section. And you know what? Kaz is a jerk to Tam, too, in this episode. And Tam is treated like garbage. But this is a good episode for her character arc, though. Yep. And her character arc. And Kaz takes the opportunity of Hype calling her, you know, her ship precious baby garbage. And to slink on out of there. And Tam rightfully decides to leave the tower after being treated so horribly. Now alone in the hallway, Kaz follows the First Order and comes up with a really good plan. With an actual really good plan to listen in on them. He puts one of the plot comms on the food tray that a droid is taking in to the first order guest, and Kaz keeps the other one. It's actually a really smart plan. Good for you, boy. And he confused, uh, the confused droid shrugs and heads on inside. And here we meet. Best daddy. Best captain daddy. Captain Manuel Toza, who's not very pleased with Major Red Boy being in his office. And Red Boy Von Reg tries to convince Doza that their platform is unsafe safe because of those darn pirate attacks. Those darn pirates who are most certainly not hired by the First Order. And Doza's like, you know, I could just report you to the New Republic. And Von Reg is like, that's cute. Especially since you have a criminal background that we could report. And Doza's like, you know what's also cute? You thinking this deal will win me over with a single fuel shipment. And Von Reg is like, well then I guess we're both cute then. Because here's a casual threat and good day to you, sir. And Von Reg leaves with his dudes because everyone's cute. And Kaz hides the stor as the stormtroopers leave the elevator. But the droid with the other comlink is too close to them. And now what? Some plot feedback sound comes off because the comms are too close, like they were earlier in the episode. Plot devices! And Kaz is spotted and makes a run for it. What do you think of Act 2? I like Act 2. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, have a little, little uh, disagreement with the good plan. It was an okay plan, but at the same time, he lucked out. Up to this he point, it's his best plan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, well, sort of, sort of, the, I would say the initial plan to go into the tower was, was a good plan. I, I, actually, this is most of my notes is, is about how Kaz acts in this and how it's kind of uneven, but it works. Like, Kaz is making mistakes in this, but it's, it was better for me because he's not making the same mistakes that he made. He's making a new set of, of mistakes, <laughs> you know, so it's not his obnoxiousness isn't repetitive in this. And it's it's making a lot more sense in this one. 
but like the plan of putting the comlink on it, it's good. He got the he got the information, but at the same time, like that, there's a high probability with he lucked out with it. You know, he lucked out that the droid brought the suit back and it was just sitting back underneath underneath there. But like, uh, like in reality, the odds are pretty high that it probably would have sat there. Doza would have gone to get his suit and been like, "What's this comlink doing here? Who is listening to this?" And if he found out who was on the other end, it would have been. It could have caused some big trouble, but he lucked out on it. But his original plan of getting up there is a good one because it's totally plausible for it's totally plausible for him, that to be his reason to be going up there. And him being bumbling and goofy actually makes it like and he's not doing it on purpose, but it makes it just absolute like just nobody suspects him because they're just like oh geez look at this guy you know this is a babe you know this babe in the woods you know yeah so i mean like, i think he's this guy this guy is well of being so, like so, the, new, the new guy like you know what cats kind of reminds me of and, and if they they could have easily taken him in this direction he reminds me of my old co-worker who would sneak in the concerts because she knew she knew fluent Romanian. So whenever she got caught, she would just start babbling in Romanian and people just thought she was confused and lost her way. <laughs> but it's kind of like accidental with Kaz because everybody on the station now knows like he's the new guy. He doesn't yeah, know his way around. So what if he did take a wrong turn? He's calling attention to himself, but not as a suspicious spy sort of guy, but just as a doofball. So it work it works for him. Um mm-hmm. Oh my god, he's Darth Jar Jar! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got some Darth Jar Jar going. Cue the music, um, Chris. Is it playing? Yeah. Um, let's see, what else? <laughs> um, oh, the, the last thing on Kaz. Jesus Christ. You don't even have to ask once you say it. Come on. It's right at my fingertips when I edit. Come on. Oh, it's just waiting to go on. Um, I have a myself laugh. I'm sorry. What were you saying? <laughs> I, I, I when I watch it when the way Kaz was scoffing down the was like oh food nom 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 and eating it like that that like rang false to me but I had no I didn't know why it did and now that I'm thinking about it once they get up into there though that should be a world that Kaz is more comfortable in you know like the fancy world. You know, he like you would think that like, when he gets into fancy world, he would be more into like, OK, this is what how I would act at one of my dad's events or something, you know, and well, I thank you, droid or or whatever. You'd think he would be like, oh, OK, I'm in fancy. But he he acts like he acts like, uh, you know, a rube from the, the woods of just like, look at these fancy treats. Yum, 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 you know. I always took that as him like he's actually hungry because we they established last episode that he made enough money in a week for half a meal yeah oh yeah yeah i'm yeah definitely is yeah but uh but still yeah that it just made me think yeah he would be more and my my niku's funny but like in this world he kind of it's kind of weird because how could he be there that he's lethal to himself to others by his just naivety you know, and especially in this world where everybody's got to have some little sneaky thing going on the side or had or whatever, you know, having someone like Niku around is just like, 
a, you, you know, you have to be on your, you have to be on your full alert because he could put you into a deadly situation by just being like, I'm going to help. You so know, they actually addressed that in season two. You might not remember it, but there's an episode. Um, it was the the pirate mutiny episode where Doza and Giger put Niku in charge of a mission, and the whole time Kaz is like, "Why is Niku in charge? He's gonna ruin this." But they they played on you know Niku's just being like open and honest. So the the pirates were just like, "Oh, it's this guy. This guy. He's not a threat." And Niku was able to destroy them systematically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There were actually theories that Niku was the First Order spy when season one was running. Um, I remember that was Sky Talkers. That was their main theory because he was he was always there, always watching, and like kind of like there, like it's pushing good, like it, everything. It's a good fan theory, but Disney would never do that to the like little kids that were watching the show. <laughs> that would be shattering. <laughs> I guess it just all the little kids are like. If I was six years old and I was watching Resistance, Niku would be the character that, like, I identified with, mm. you know, because Kaz would be too old and Niku's, you know, funnier and, you know, he's more. And and to find out he was a First Order spy, it would be just like, am I evil? <laughs> am I the baddie? <laughs> I like him. Does that mean I'm evil? No, because people can like villains and not be, you know, murderers. Fucking purity culture. Sorry, I have feelings about that. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That's all I got for part two. Um, stuff. Yeah, this has the the most of my um, notes, and, and most of them just kind of go along with you know setting up more of like the social and like political like nature of the show and how real it is. Um, Tam's line about the First Order being allowed on the platform, just like everyone else, just screams our modern day politics to me. Like You mean on the platform about letting letting uh, fascists on a platform? Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> what happens when you let fascists First on Order's a platform? Just landed and on if you Twitter, don't deal man, with... on space Twitter, man. And if you don't deal with the problem and you just let them be there like everybody else, it's how they get their fucking foot in the door. They start working on they start working on the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. And and they of course they're they come bearing the gifts people with too, valid complaints. Know? What? They start working on the people who have valid complaints. Like like Jace, that bitch Rucklin. There's a reason that bitch was a good choice for them. That bitch. But, you know, like, that was just, that that line just screamed so much. Like, no, you don't let just anyone there, you know? Um, and I, 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 that is one thing I wish this show kind of addressed better. Well, what well Star Wars, at, a, what? at a place like that, they got, it's, that's just the truth of a place like that. Because it's, you know, you have, you have such a, uh, um, a, a different scale of shade for one everybody's got to be a little shady to, to probably survive there yeah but you, you know have, you, you have your levels of shady you're always going to have somebody there who they do did that with, with uh with the triple jar because kaz was like that guy was working with the pirates and yeager was like yeah he paid us yeah yeah but the you know you know we got to have money in because look we're having brownouts you know so you know tell it to the brownout yeah um I was going to say something. Uh, oh, uh, uh, something I wish they 
I remember watching The Mandalorian, especially in season two, when suddenly there were schools. <laughs> and I was like, people, normal people have schools in Star Wars? <laughs> really? Because, like, up to that point, like, really on screen, the only schools that we knew of were, like, in books, were people like, like, I only, I only pictured them in the Jedi Temple and, like, maybe in, you know, Coruscant would probably have school. But I could see Naboo having schools, yeah, you know, like that. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, um, Padme's family was rich, so she went to, like, an academy. She and went we to, know like, that, college like, and had boyfriends academy. and so stuff. So I always took schools as being, like, a high-privileged thing, and everybody was, like, self-taught if you, if you weren't rich. And then you had, like, the Imperial Academies where they just kind of, like, they were state-run. You know, by evil people. <laughs> but, like, I remember just seeing, like, that's those schools in The Mandalorian just being shocked of, like, oh, my God, so they do have schools. Because that was always kind of a thing about Resistance that stuck out to me is that Tam, like, how does Tam not have an education of the Empire, you know? Um, and, of course, she, we find out later she has a different view because her grandfather was in the Empire because he just worked in a factory and he was just trying to put food on the table. So she has a very different view of the Empire. And then you have someone like Niku. Niku is like, yeah, I kind of remember them, but, you know, like, I'm fine now. So it's, it's education in Star Wars has always been just a really fascinating topic to me of just, like, who has education and who doesn't and how does that affect the galaxy? Um. Ugh. The thing that hooked me on this episode was the, like the the continued exploration of classism, um, and because there was already like a little bit of that the previous episodes, but they really like dove in there, like because you have the lower and like Hype even calls them lower dwellers, like he actually says that phrase, and I remember seeing that just like. Ugh! But it's true, like, you have people, the whole entire opening act, like, all the people are struggling to work. Like, that one lady at the bar is like, how am I supposed to work with this? How am I supposed to survive, make yeah. money, do these things? And then you get to the Aces Lounge, and they're just drinking and eating food and chilled, and it's bright and it's clean and it's pure. And that's what I loved about this episode. Was just because kind of that that, that's when you find out that the Aces are kind of like mercenaries, you know? I mean that they they're they're treated special because Captain Doze is like I gotta treat these guys special because I need these guys to fend off the the pirates. Yeah. And and also they keep they keep the population happy because they're entertainment for you know. So yeah, they're gladiators. They're 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 held in high esteem because they are they're protecting the place. They're the, they're the people who are more likely to die. You know so. They're given, they're given extra, extra privileges, and you need them. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I mean, Doza, Doza's, he's, he's, he's not running an army base. He's running a gas station, a giant gas station truck stop, and he's got to play all kinds of politics to keep it, keep it running. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doza is one of the more fascinating characters to me too, especially like once we start finding out about his past and stuff. I I, I just well you don't get huh you don't get the impression that the the like the um the aces are like rich, you know, they're not rich and they're not from like not all of them, but like a lot of them seem like they're from you know rougher backgrounds, 
but they are they're powerful <laughs> yeah hype clearly has money though because he that's that's my next note because you know tam was treated like garbage and hype comes right out and it's just like that dinky little ship you need to buy a ship like mine my ship is so fast and i have all these sponsors and you're never gonna get anywhere without money tam i'm just joking it's not a joke hype there is no joke you're just being an asshole well his name's hype yeah, he hypes. It's himself. funny because once you mentioned that that he was a guy from Scrubs, and I could see his face. You can see a little of it. They put a little of his face into the character of hype. Yeah, kind of. Definitely his facial expressions. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's so it's so much well, fun. Yeah, like, maybe you... maybe it's just the mannerisms of how because he's got a Rodian face, but yeah, but yeah, he definitely because there was because I couldn't put my finger on it, but I'm like, he's definitely got like human characteristics and the way he talks for a Rodian, especially too. Yeah. He's they did the same more... thing with um, Rook in um, Star Wars Rebels because Warwick David was like acting out his lines. And so they took Warwick's performance and like put that into Rook's animation. Um, so you could definitely tell like, um, if you ever get a chance to watch it, they did a celebration panel between season one and season two. Um, and Donald Faison is hilarious. And you well, can probably just... everybody had watched Scrubs too. So when they were animating it, it was probably in their head, you know what I mean? His, the way he, the way he talks and his facial expressions and stuff. Yeah. And, um, at the celebration panel, like when Donald talked, like you could just see that he was hype. Like, he was hype on, and I'm not calling Donald Faison an asshole because hype is actually a really great character who has a really good character arc, but he has to start shitty before he gets good. Um, but you could just see him on stage. Like, he was hype and it was great. Um, well, we kind of already talked about that. So, my only other note that I have is I want to know what Doza's dealings with the criminal underworld are. <laughs> oh, there probably there's probably many of them, but that's the thing is he probably has he probably had to deal with I I would bet it was it's it it was all to do with the mechanics of running the well maybe I don't know maybe he might have had a a sketchy job before that but I would see like running His sketchy job was he's a captain of the empire <laughs> yeah yeah. But like, say he's running, he's running this. Yeah, yeah. But he could have been, yeah, he could have been a smuggler like Lando, and this is his cloud city. But even in the running of the place, you know, you might have to make a deal with some underworld type guys to get something you need to run the station, or to get yeah. something to trade to get something you need. You know, Actually, I I could see this. all all sorts of sketchy dealings having to go on just to get the practical day to day maintenance of the place. I mean, to connect this to another show, I mean, um, while this takes place, I, I think, I think 15, 20 years after Mandalorian, give or take, um, we know in the Mandalorian that the New Republic is stretched thin and they're just the, the outer rim is just, you know, free wild times with like very little oversight well, the Colossus is even further out. The Colossus is in wild space. They're not even in the outer rim. Like, they are on the edges of the unknown regions. So, yeah, I mean, Doza probably has done a lot just to survive. <laughs> um, but I mostly just noted it because it's never addressed in show. And I'm just like, I want to know what you have done, Emmanuel. <laughs> Tell me your dirty secret, son. My, my Captain Daddy. <laughs> He's Captain Daddy. He's on the daddy list now, Chris. 
Doe's Illusion. What? Doe's Illusion. Doe's Illusion. I love his beard or his little mustache. I like that he's salt and pepper. I can't recall ever seeing like an animated like person with like salt and pepper like hair and mustache. And he's so handsome. I love him. Captain Daddy is best. He's actually one of the best fathers in all of Star Wars. <laughs> It's not Resistance a high bar. Resistance has really good dads. <laughs> all right, but that's all I have for Act 2. Anything else? No, yeah, I'm ready for Act 3. Act 3. <clears throat> so Kaz is on the run from the First Order goons, and he is just about to get boxed in. But a door opens, and another another best girl droid comes out, and it's 4D. And 4D comes out of there, and she's busting up those those First Order troopers, and she doesn't seem like much now. But you just have to wait for it. You just wait for 4D. And Kaz just dives into the open door, which just so happens to be Tora's room. And if this was an adult show, I'm sure Toro would be screaming about a man, a grown adult man, suddenly barging into her room unannounced. But this is a kid's show, so they have to downplay that creepiness. And Tora comes up to Kaz, takes him by the shoulder, and says, Look, I was being nice to you, and I'm sorry you misinterpreted that as something more, but I'm underage, and you're an adult. And Kaz is just confused. And they hear pounding on the door, and Tora panics about her dad finding a random adult man in her room. So she does what any good teenage girl should do. She literally shoves Kaz out a window, just as the First Order comes barging in with the secret badass droid 4D screaming at them. And the stormtroopers head out to find Kaz, who is trying not to die on the ledge as he creeps across the edges of the Colossus to find his way back inside. And across the way... Tam, Niku, and Aunt Z, and everyone else in the cantina sees him. So Aunt Z does what any respectable businesswoman would do. She starts placing bets on whether or not Kaz will die. <laughs> and while everyone watches his feats like it's the Super Bowl, Kaz just wants to find the door. Like really, really, really fast because he doesn't want to die. But oh no, the First Order has found him and they're shooting very lethal blaster bolts at him. And Kaz flails. But luckily... Droids are the heroes of Star Wars, and BB-8 hears the blasters and rolls to the rescue as everyone in Anz is having just the best time right now. And BB gets the door open for Kaz to escape the blaster fire and slips safely inside. Now he just needs to contact Poe with all his spanky news that spanky, swanky news that he found out. And across the rich, <laughs> across the other side of the rich side of the station, Captain Doza is pissed. He storms up to Red Boy Von Reg and he yells, How dare your men come into my teenage daughter's room and shoot at my people? And Von Reg is like, You were trying to capture a spy outside your office. But it's dear, sweet, smart, and brilliant Tora who has the answers. And she says, That was my friend who is very much a teenage boy who just got lost in the tower. And then Doza tells the First Order to get the fuck off his station. And as soon as the First Order leaves, Doza turns and he gives Tora a dad look that says, Daughter, I know you're lying and I won't press it, but I'm onto whatever this is and it better not be your boyfriend. Kind of look. Kaz gets back to the hangar where Tamaniku are just relieved to see him alive and in one piece. And the power comes back on and it's time for them to return to their normal lives. 
But back in the high tower, Captain Doza pulls up a picture of Kaz and wonders who this person is. And he better not be his daughter's boyfriend, because that would be statutory. And Doza is an ex-imperial, and he will hunt down Kaz and destroy him. The end. What do you think of Act 3? I think technically those are their ages and stuff, but like just the way the characters play emotionally in it, it seems like they could still have like crushes and stuff. And and this is like, this isn't their first meeting, but it's kind of this, their, their first, like, just like non-racer meeting and stuff. So it still could be in play technically, but yeah, Star Wars in general just has very little romance in it, you know? That's what I love I, about it. Yeah. Star Wars. I mean, romance does, I guess, go along with wars, but it's just not what it was just never a big ingredient. You know, every once in a while, you know, you have one one story going. But yeah, it's I I actually have a note about that. Can I so I'm just gonna go ahead and do my note for it. Um I actually love that scene where Tora is just like, Yeah, we're not gonna be romantic here. Um, because that's actually something I love about resistance and just Star Wars animation and just kind of Star Wars in general. Like don't get me wrong. I love a good romance. Like, oh my God, thank Kyrell and Sianna Ree. Like, oh my God. Like, I, I love romances and like, and Hera and Caden and stuff. But romances have also always struggled a little bit for me because I'm, you know, unless it's my ship, like I'm ace. And so being asexual, like I really glom onto friendships because I struggle with like romantic ties and stuff like that. So friendships are very, very important to me. So that's always something I've really loved about Star Wars and something I love about this show because like there's not really too many crushes. Like Taz has a bit of a crush on Sonara, but it's very quickly established they're friends. And they do that with like Sabine and Ezra, um, where they just kind of go into this more like brother sister relationship. And that's really like nice as someone for someone like me, because like romances can sometimes just be like the killer of a show for me. Um, and I really, I really don't like... see what it would add to this show at all. You know, yeah. for the themes of this show, it wouldn't really. And I think, I think in the old a, days. Well, hold, hold on, let me finish my let me finish my fast. And I think that's also a lot big trapping of like this age group of this kind of age show and kind of getting up into like the older like animation and like teenage shows too. It's like romances are such like integral parts of it, but just the exploration of friendships and how friendships and platonic relationships can be just as powerful as a romance and they can be just as messy and they can be just as devastating and they can be just as hurtful, but they can also be just as happy and powerful and joyful and lift you up. And I think that's what I like about like Star Wars animation is they really focus on the power of friendship and why it's just as important as romance relationships, where a lot of things focus on the importance of romance versus Star Wars animations where they're like, look at the power of this friendship and what it means. No, there's no romance in this show, is there? Really? I mean, there's uh, characters who are together. I mean, there's together. Lisa and Emmanuel, and then like I said, Kaz has a has an unrequited crush on Sonara, but yeah. there, he also reaches a point where. Like, if Kaz and Sonara eventually got together, I could see it, but they're very clearly friends, and she's very clearly not into him. No, it's more, it's 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 very much like uh, Ezra and, um, and Sabine. In fact, to me, Sonara's more into Tam, because she's like, hey, yes. you, and Tam's like, hey! And Sonara's very upset when Tam leaves, and I'm like, yeah, they were girlfriends. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just, and, and I think back in, in, 
in media it used to be just like every story had to have it was just requisite part of like when they told writers to write a story and now for the betterment of stories it's not it doesn't have to be in there you know it can be in there when it when it means something to the story all right so i have very few notes for this one um it's you know it's really good to see what after all these years of watching clone wars and rebels what really shitty parkouring Somebody who does not know how the fuck how to parkour. <laughs> right? Right? We've been watching everybody bounce up walls and stuff. That's why it's funny. Yeah, that's why the, the no J guys, no Jedi in this show. The just, you know, just flailing flailing around. So that's that's fun, you know. Um the ca- the characters are starting to feel less broad than they were they're starting to to flesh them in and you know we're only four episodes in so it's actually happening a little faster that you know it's following the 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 Filoni formula but faster you know of like early repetition and then start building this the the characters deeper and the and start building the large the story at large at the same time and they're they're doing that four episodes in so it's 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 getting a little less broad and a little more focused and I'm I'm starting to enjoy it more. Um the the style of the like there's there's no big like great special effects, you know, set piece in this one, but it's just neat. Like when they're walking when he was walking around in the white hallways outside of, you know, Doza's place and there's just very little detail. It looks like this minimalist art, but you look at the floor and it's this there's a hyper realistic reflection of it of him in the floor you know mm-hmm. so it's like this mixture of just not abstraction but just a sort of very simple 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 representation of it and a hyper hyper realistic at the same time that's really fun to watch yeah but that's all i got so um, the only other note that I had was it's one of my favorite moments of the entire series. So season one and season two, it's one of my favorite moments. And it's the entire sequence of Kaz being chased by the First Order soldiers while everybody is betting on whether or not he dies. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, and nothing else they can do at that point. So I, And it's just, it's when they actually just write like really natural humor they're really good at that because i do think like sometimes like the slapstickiness and like the one-liners they they try really hard but that seems just naturally really funny and it's all built on top of really good character work because of course aunt z would bet whether or not kaz would die she did that in episode one and then niku is just so pure he's just so excited he's just that one line where he's like and he's still alive whoa (laughs) he's just so into it because he would be and that entire sequence is just so well done and every time we cut back to the cantina and they're all just like oh he made it yes he made it and you can see like the people who are betting against Kaz are just like fuck he lived (laughs) there's so much in that like in the background characters and stuff that in sequence is so brilliantly done and it's one of my favorite moments of the entire show like I watched it twice today and I just was laughing because it's so funny um but 
kind of like a tag off the the character stuff of that. Um, for Kaz, that is a very symbolic character moment because like this is his first real romp with being shot at as a spy. You know, so far everything has been like sneaking through a market or like going through shoots or like stopping like Rucklin, but now it's real. He's being shot at with blaster bolts, and he doesn't even have a weapon, which is very important to note later on because there is a moment where he gets his first weapon in the show, and Poe's like, there you go, and Cass literally says, I don't know how to use this thing. And that's a very important world-building note, and we'll get there when we get there um, because I I have lots of thoughts about that too because it's a huge world-building note about the sequel trilogy. Um, but like, this is his first symbolic and literal leap into the spy world. And I think it is a big moment for his character where it's the first time he's really faced death and it still will take him time to get there because as I said, it doesn't really hit home until hot as prime, but this is a big moment. And that's to me, the biggest moment of this episode for both character and story. But I love that scene. My God, yeah. just... Just Anzi, just being like, he's going to die. I put 50 credits on it. <laughs> and poor Cham is just like, this is our life, but he might die. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I had, though. Did you have anything else? No. All right. Score it up, Chris. All right. I, uh, I gave this one an eight. I liked it a lot. Um maybe it should have given an 8.5 but i'm giving still giving myself some leeway but i like i like this it's it definitely took a little step forward and and the 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 scene where they were chasing him and betting on him is a, a good example of that humor works a lot better for me than just the plain old slapstick which is just like here's some gags and this one is like tied in with the story tied in with all the character you know it's 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 tied in with the scenery yeah 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 it's 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 more organic and it 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 has more meat you know it's integrated into it more than just just simple slapstick so i i enjoy that that we're growing in that direction more so yeah eight eight out of ten i'm coming on and hot you ready Uh uh-huh this is actually one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. I give yeah. it a 9.25. I figured you were saying that last episode, so I figured you were going to be. Yeah, I, I love it. should this get episode. a high high grade then. Yeah. And and this was like one of the first episodes where I could start. I was starting to see it like, oh, this is what they're doing with this show. Yeah. Um, they, here here they go. There's going to be a deeper. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's much more nuanced. Um, it shows the social hierarchy of the series. It touches on speciesisms versus the first order and how that affects people on the platform, which is coded for just about any ism. It could be coded for racism or sexism and misogynism. There's a lot of isms there that that's coded for. Um, and Cass starts stepping up into his role. And there's so much getting set up with Tam further down the line. This is a big, important part of her story going forward. But that whole betting on whether or not Kaz will die scene is just still one of my favorite moments of the entire show. It gets, it's so funny. And it's just, it does so well um, with, as you were saying, the characters and the surroundings and the story and just the setting too. Just having the setting of... um, Aunt Z is across the way from the high tower, and just like even just the setting of how this this platform is is, um, 
So yeah, I gave it a 9.25 out of 10. I love this episode. It's so good. It's it's one of my personal favorites. Um, <clears throat> well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our episode, Deal or No Deal, which was Clone Wars. Yeah, this is, wow, this is way back before even... Uh... Well, we took like, what, four weeks off for commentaries? Yeah. Yeah, catch up on on comments. All right. First one comes from Facebook. It comes from Paul C. Kelly. Yeah. It is always interesting to see how the Republic is viewed as something to be feared versus a system you could rely on for help. When leaving Coruscant, Ularen was pretty quick to arrest everyone, although leaving Coruscant is the equivalent of crossing the border. I wonder how the New Republic compared in handling the people of Coruscant. Were more opportunities given for work so everybody did not have to rely on shady business? Ooh, yeah. Not as shady as Yoda, though. No, no. And not as moist. Oh, yeah. Moist. You know, I, the, the, that's the thing is, I, I think there were, like, if you were a if you were a good upstanding empire loyal citizen, you probably could get them to help you, you know, mm-hmm. in a police sort of way, you know. And and they probably there there probably were some people who benefited from when the the empire would take over a world, you know. Mm-hmm. So there were probably some people. And uh, oh, oh, there's they, an answer. They answer from Hope. that a little bit in um, Lost Stars because the opening chapters with Thane and Sienna, uh, they were very much in like pretty much the country. If their planet was the country, um, they were up in this backwater. So like their people were super excited about the Empire coming because they would get like modern technology. They'd get updated up to would have protection um and then years 10 years later the planet's just been mined out and polluted and destroyed and it just showed how devastating it was but there was that moment where people were very excited about fire coming because they it meant that they got they could get ships and off the planet and jobs and stuff and that's how they yeah. kind of like giving fascists a platform in the colossus all right. Oh, I get to do the hope oh my voice. God, it's me. And I hope, 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 respond, God, it's been a while. Hope, hope responded to Paul C. Kelly. She said, I am super biased because Coruscant is my favorite planet, but I really miss Coruscant in the sequel trilogy. I was hoping that after Hazian Prime blew up, we would have gone back to Coruscant at some point. <sighs> it's some of these... Tross, it's in some of the Tross concept art with, I think, Finn leading a revolution there. I would have cried. I love that planet so much. I love that planet so, so much. much. So, so much. So much. Hey, guess what I got this week? I got them, too. I was just going to ask you. I hadn't heard from you if you got them. I we have candy. Got... Listen to that. Listen to all that. Yeah! Candy. Thank you, Dario. All right, Actually, we, we might have today? new people um, with resistance, so... If you don't know what we're doing, Chris is weird and hates American Kit Kats. He thinks they're gross, and he's just a big old weirdo about that. Um, So our friend Dario, who is Chris's co-podcaster for his other podcast, Eat It and Beat It, um, he sends us candy from all over the World Review because Dario is a flight attendant. 
So at this segment, we eat candy that you can't have. Yeah, I'm <gasps> such a weirdo, but how much candy have you eaten from around the world? Because I'm a weirdo. I'm happy that you're a weirdo. Okay, hey, I li- found a tiny little pink Kit Kat. We should start off a new thing with the Kit strawberry, Kat. The strawberry Kit Kat? Y- yeah, yes. I'm trying to figure out which one. Let's, okay, let's this is, does not have a kitty on it, so it's that one. Yeah, so this has- one is the Japanese Daifuku Kit Kat, which is white chocolate and strawberry flavored. So oh, I'm very that, excited. That's got to be pretty straightforward, right? That's Yeah, it has a... Uh, oh, sure. this reminds me of another one that we got that has it has the little flecks in it. See them, the little dots? Oh, it smells really good. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to taste like that one, which tasted like milk with the old school quick strawberry quick flavor let's see oh this is so sad and that is what it is and this is so sad chris why because i had oral surgery last week i have prescription mouthwash and it's been blinking out my sense of taste and i haven't been able to taste salt or sweet oh no i can taste um savory i can taste like sour but i can't taste salt and sweet currently because it just blanks out part of my sense of taste so this i can taste like, like milk and strawberries um i can kind of taste it because i haven't rinsed out my um it has like a like a six hour thing when i haven't rinsed it since like early this afternoon so my sense of taste is starting to come back but i can't really taste it this is horrible <laughs> well so hopefully sad. next week hopefully next week your sense of taste will grow back Oh, it will come back. I, I was reading. It, it's one of the side effects of this particular mouthwash. Um, I can kind of taste it. I like it. I'm looking at the wafers inside. They're both pink and, well, kind of like a very, very light pink and white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dario. I wish I could taste it more. <laughs> oh, man. This sucks. <laughs> Mm. That's alright. Yeah, still- but you don't have a tooth that hurts anymore, so you got there's you got that going for you. Yeah, I'll have a flipper soon, like a dolphin in my mouth. Oh, I thought you meant you were getting your you're finally getting your surgery and getting your arms taken out and replaced with flippers like you've always wanted. <laughs> like, a, like a dolphin. That's my poor attempt at a dolphin sound. And you'll do tricks and people toss you Kit Kats. <gasps> that sounds like a good gig. <laughs> I'd be down for that. I can't do many tricks, but I can. <laughs> I can do. <laughs> I can do a few for a Kit Kat. What would you do for a Klondike bar, Chris? <laughs> I would. Well, I mean, if we we're gonna totally do it, you'd have to fuse both your legs together with a tail at the ends, and then I would. I would flap my tail so I could jump up out of the. That's all you gotta do. Maybe jump through a hoop or two. Then they'll throw you Kit Kats. You don't have to do an awful lot. You you have flippers and a tail. <laughs> chirp at them a little bit. Not thinking they, about Chirp at them and splash some water on them with your beak, and then they'll uh, they'll go, oh how cute, and they'll throw you a Kit Kat because they love that shit. Now I'm thinking about Klondike bars. I haven't had Klondike bars in years, and my God, those that shit is good. I used to get the um, crunchy caramel Klondike bars. Yeah, those are amazing. Yeah, I haven't had one, God, in like a decade. Oh, my God, I need to get those. Damn it. They used to make um, a, um, 
just sort of it was just sort of a chocolate bar but it was some brand name but it wasn't it wasn't you know the same thing as a Klondike but it was the same idea as a Klondike bar and I think it had like uh Snickers it was like Snickers or toffee um crunch flavor that and that was close to that Klondike bar but it wasn't the same it's hard to it's the the chocolate they the the way the chocolate and just the thickness of the chocolate on a Klondike bar is like magical, and it makes it work. Like mm-hmm. a Klondike bar, you eat it just as it's as it's softening up. You know, you never really eat a Klondike bar and have to chew your way through it because the ice cream's too. Even if it's frozen solid, if you take it out and start eating it, by the time you're done, it's starting to get soft. It's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Love those Klondike bars. Yeah, gosh. Now I need to get next time I go to the uh, to the store, I'm gonna have to definitely get one. All right, Chris, did you have anything else for the high tower? No. All right, where can people find you? You can find me at tutufreaks.com. That's our podcast, and that has all our podcasts, including this one. There, you can go sign up for our RSS feeds there or at iTunes. You can also find us on Facebook. We got the Two True Freaks podcast where we post all of our podcasts up and the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is, well, you can figure out what it is just by the name. And we are on Twitter, and our Twitter feed is run by Gene Gene, the Twitter machine. Gene, that was the rapper. One of Gene's more recent, most recent roles was as a. Uh, as a uh, a bouncer who uh, would throw people into a pit of rats. Oh, for the audio drama that yeah, there's yep, there's one the coming up. His, his his latest role he plays an army general too, so. Which you should check out over at Teacher. But he plays the wimpy army general, outside of type, because everybody knows Gene is a manly, manly Gene. Actually. Just as Gene Chris works on an audio drama with Two True Freaks. What is it and what is it called and where can they find it? Well, it's the Akadekanagan Theater Group. And you can find it at Two True Freaks. And we're doing also, we're, 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 our main thing is we're, we're adapting the Strangers in Paradise comics. But when we're, not, when we're in between seasons of that, and to, we do all sorts of weird, like, comic adaptations of public domain horror comics from the old days from like the 40s and uh and uh crazy uh 80s movies parodies and stuff like that a delight for your ear holes and chris works really hard on it so you should go check it out i do work fairly hard on that you do i'm so proud of you i Uh, believe in you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's good because I do exist in three dimensions. <laughs> I'm not just a voice in your head, Hope. <laughs> what? People have been like, yeah, we've been listening to this girl's podcast. She just talks to this guy who's not there and like answers what he says and she laughs at stuff. It's amazing. That would make They're on like look. 200. It's like on episode 250. Some of them are like two hours long. Right now they're listening and there's just dead silence, right? (laughs) Sometimes she talks... Sometimes we think she talks to Yoda? Oh my god, that would make an excellent, like, horror That would be a good movie. Yeah. And the whole thing is just done in, like, um... 
like videos. Oh, like, you just half half the movie half the movie, you like have have you know you know the the you have us recording the podcast and just have some some funny moments and stuff and then as it goes on it just becomes more and more clear that I'm not here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just a voice in your subconscious. I'm just some middle-aged dude that lives in your subconscious and and uh <laughs> your imaginary really podcast like a, friend like a short film um where it's just somebody like it's a girl just like talking um and like having a normal podcast and like it's just getting more like crazy and, and stuff and finally somebody just comes in and they're like what are you talking to honey and she's like i'm doing my podcast and they're like nobody is here and the whole time like they're like your voice was coming through and it's just like who's in the computer then there's like a a rex figure sitting there oi <laughs> it was me the whole time general skull <laughs> wait 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 the whole t- and then there's uh oh he's not on just uh get ready to turn those clankers into scrap metal yes and that's how it ends <laughs> There's there, you could go you could go the psycho killer route. It could be the beginning of a psycho killer story. It could be a light indie drama, you know, uh, the coming of, coming of age story. If they, they take your your age down a little, it could be it could be a Charlie Kaufman like you know, um, uh, being John Malkovich, just weirdo weirdo mind trip movie. You could go all different directions with it. I don't know. I like because it's got the M Night Shyamalan twist. It's a twist. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I like the uh, Psycho Killer case. Yeah. Yeah. Every the, it turns out it turns out at the end I was like your last whoever your last victim is that's who you're talking to in the podcast, and then you kill so you kill somebody you know as it goes on you kill somebody in the next scene you're doing the podcast and they're they're doing the podcast with you. I just made a really stupid joke. It's fine. Taco killer, kesese. One of my favorite favorite songs. Aww. Talking heads. Can't go wrong with the talking heads. Ask me where I can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? <laughs> <laughs> got me, I, we got so sidetracked there that I didn't know what that was on the imag- Yeah. How can I? How can I ask where to find you if I'm not even here? I know, I know. Uh, you can find me at JGuysAndJedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter accounts. You can also find me at HopeMolinex. I also have a website called GeekyGirlExperience.com where I've actually written a lot about Resistance. Um, and I write all sorts of reviews and think pieces. And it's about animation, Star Wars, queer topics, and sometimes all at the same time. And also, Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons where I make Chris watch my favorite animated shows. We are... Actually, by the end, by the time this comes out, we're about to finish up Gravity Falls, and then we're going to be moving to Avatar: The Last Airbender, which I'm we're both very excited for because yeah. that that has the Star Wars roots with the Dave Filoni's and the Justin Ridges and all that. So that's yeah. how the movie that's how the movie ends. You go, where can people find you, Chris? And I go, in your brain, Hope. You need to write. <laughs> we should write this and. Make a little audio audio drama about it. Yeah, it's yeah, very possible. We have to have if we do, we'll have two different. We'll have we'll we won't play ourselves because it'll be more fun to have other people play us. 
what if we did two episodes and so like the first episode is just like my side and the second episode is your side and only if people laid them on top of each other you get the full story Ooh. Mm. tricky that could be dead too but you just gave it away <laughs> well not if if it's you know i bet everybody who listens to the audio drama theater group doesn't listen to our show that's so a way to make that's a that's a good scam to get people to to listen to, our to show. listen to, to download more podcasts just download them one person at a time <laughs> upload them one yeah. person at a time they have to get two of them just to your podcast yeah. Nice plan. Nice. And then I can write an article about it, like, and all it is is just like, here's episode one, here's episode two, and they'll put them on to, like, you audio nerds lay them on top of each other and go. And so that's what we do. Like, we record it on separate tracks, and we just record it together. That's uh, not, that sounds more like a show we should do with Gravity Falls, to be honest with you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dipper. And like the whole time you're in the background playing Bill, just like, and I'm here too. He can't hear me right now. What's up, pine tree? I do a very poor Alex Hirsch impression. Oh my yeah, God, it's, was... ha- it's hard to do any of the characters on that. I guess the only one I could sort of do is Stan, is Stan just because I, I have the smoker voice. Man, kudos to Alex Hirsch, dude. He does so many voices. But anyway. All right, we'll see you next week. And if you want to hear us talk about Gravity Falls more, go listen to uh, um, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. Yes, 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 yes. I'm very excited. Um, All right, well, bye, guys. We'll We'll see you next week. What is next week? Oh, fun. I like like next week. Anyway, moving on. Bye. Bye. (laughs) With that, tease. Oh, I like that. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. All right, children, the lights are out and the party's over. 
It's time for me, Dr. D, to start running and say goodbye for a little while. And I know you're gonna miss me, so I'll leave you with this. You know that big ball of radiation we call the sun? Well, it'll burst you into flames if you stay in one place too long. That is if the static don't get you first. So remember, even if you're dusted, you may be gone. But out here in the desert, your shadow lives on without you. This is Dr. Death Defying, signing off.